<clears throat> so I, like I said, I know I still look like I'm in the tw my 20s, but I am a papa uh, and a proud papa and uh, actually have a granddaughter on the way as well. And uh, then five years ago, the Lord put it on our hearts to adopt uh, a little boy. And the Lord has always has a bigger plan than what we do. And uh, wound up when the little boy that we fell in love with had three brothers. And so we wound up uh, adopting all four. And uh, that's been five years ago. So we absolutely uh, love our children and love our family. And this morning, I just want to just portray my heart. I just want to give you my heart of fathering and uh, what the Lord has put on us uh, through the years of pouring into our children and I uh, just want to give a time here you know, just to share my heart with you uh, a little bit about parenting. So before I jump into this, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray real quick. Father, we just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be here. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would fill this room, Lord, that you would just anoint the things that I say, Lord, that they would be things that come straight from you, Lord. Father, just allow me to be a vessel. Father, you said in your word that beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Father, I know that it's not my feet that are beautiful, but it's what I'm carrying that makes it beautiful. So Father, we just ask, Lord, that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would be here and just anoint our ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I wanted to talk to you today about what I've titled uh, Raising a Generation. Okay, so... I want to speak, number one, that children are a blessing. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, especially those who have teenagers, uh, that children are a blessing. So uh, let's look at Psalms 127, verse 3 and 5, and let's, uh, let's start there. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. And I want to stop right there. The word heritage means something transmitted by or acquired by a predecessor. I want to start off, number one, our children first are his kids. So it says right here that behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord. So the kids that we have have been given to us and they're his children first. Then it says, the fruit of the womb is a reward. So our children are an award to us, an award we cherish, we take care of, and we watch after. And it says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who has his quiver with full, has, who has filled his, fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. <clears throat> like Pastor had said, sometimes parenting is not easy. And those of you who have children to know that you are in a war when you have children. The enemy comes against you and attacks you. So I thought we'd look at this last part of the scripture and kind of put it more in modern day terms. And it says, <clears throat> like bullets... In the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who has his magazine full of them. Okay, so you realize that we are actually in a war. We are combating, combating against the enemy. The enemy knows that our children are not just, it's not just about our children. 
It's about our generation. It's about the people who are coming behind. And he understands that. And the Lord's saying, blessed is the man who is at war and has bullets to fight with. And blessed is he who has his quiver full of them. So as you know, the family is under attack like never before. And like I said, the enemy knows that. And he wants to go after and steal our generation. And one of the, my favorite scriptures here is uh, 3 John 1 and 4. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And I can actually say that, I mean, I, my heart just wants to explode when I watch my girls when they're up here on the stage. Uh, Nisi was singing last Sunday and just began to share. And I was like, man, she, she just let her preach. This. So, she, you know, it's just your heart just explodes when you see that. Uh, but the first part of what I want to talk about this morning is I want us to be able to get a bigger vision and change our perspective a little bit on what parenting is. Okay, so this is something that the Lord put on our hearts when we first had Layla. And the Lord just, I just began praying. I mean, he's given me one of his children to take care of. And I was like, Lord, give me a vision. Give me a, a, a new perspective of what this means, what you're actually doing. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, our vision and our perspective and it reminds me of a story. I know a lot of you have heard this story, but a guy was actually building a wall, and they were all putting bricks together, building a wall. One guy was just mad. He was just slapping bricks down. You know, he was just doing his job and just slapping bricks. And one walked up to him and asked him, what are you doing? He says, I'm slapping bricks. I'm laying bricks. I was like, okay. And then he walked on around at this same, uh, same building and saw another guy. He was a little bit more jolly, uh, had a little more energy in what he was doing. And he asked him, he says, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm building this wall. I'm making a beautiful wall here. And then he walked on down and this other guy, he was just singing and worshiping and just uh, throwing bricks on and just being happy and dancing around. He's like, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm building this gorgeous cathedral that people are going to come in and worship the Lord in. They were all doing the exact same job, but each one of those people had a different perspective on what they were doing. They had a different vision. So I know a lot of us, when we're looking at what we're doing and you get right in the middle of what's going on and raising children, it's good to be able to step back and actually see the full vision of what the Lord is doing and what's happening. So. I want us just to take just a little bit. I want to give you a little bit of perspective of what's going on because God always has a bigger plan. You know, we see what's right in front of us so many times, but he has a uh, actual, a bigger plan than what we have. Uh, so I want to look, number one, at our time frame on how much time we actually have with our children. Um, and this is, you know, it doesn't, seem like, or it does seem like, I guess, when you first have a child, you're thinking, whew, you know, I've got at least 19 years, 18 years. This is going to take forever. This is a long thing. But now looking back, now that our children are raised and now that I've got a, a grandson, you really get to see a little more perspective that you don't really have that much time that you have with your children to be able to pour into them. And uh, just talking about our, our grandson, you know, I've heard 
heard it said many times that you just will never understand until you have one. And those of you who are grandparents understand this because I really did. I thought I loved my children with all my heart until I had a grandson and realized I had three quarters of my heart still left. <clears throat> so it, there is something about uh, having a, grand, a grandson and uh, grandparents and looking back, but looking back that you really uh, don't have that much time. So I want to give you a little bit of an idea of this. So most children uh, move out of the house at the age of 19. Okay, that's kind of the average. And then I looked, our average lifespan in the U.S. is about 78 years old. So I looked at this, and we only have our children to be able to pour into them about 24% of their life. Out of their lifetime, we have them to be able to pour into them. So the Lord just speaking to me, just to round these numbers up, 80% of their life will be living out the 20% that you poured into them. Okay, so it is important with the time that you have with them to be pouring into them, to be, you know, just giving your heart, giving your life and training because really you only have 20% of their life to be able to pour into them. But like I said, I want to be able to get us a little bit a different perspective. Um, I have this piece of paper here. And this is just an 8 by 10 regular sheet of paper. And a lot of times when things are going on in your lives, especially with children and even in just in general when things go on in your life, a lot of times things are just right here. They're just right in front of you. And you think, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is too hard. Parenting is just too hard. There's too many things going on. Um, I don't know if I've got the wisdom to do this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to to fulfill my parenting duties. And this is just right here in front of you. But if you change your perspective, and I've got a few people out here, if y'all don't mind to raise your piece of paper up. There's two back here in the back. If you notice, those are the exact same size as these. But the difference is now I've pulled back and I've changed my perspective. Okay? When you understand and hear God's word and what he has, what his vision is, all of a sudden, the problems that are just right here in front of your face, even though they may be still there, they're not blocking your view of what the Lord has for you to do. So a lot of times we've got to pull back and look and see, what, God, what do you have to say about this? What is the vision that you have? If you notice there, if you're in a pool or in a public pool, where is a lifeguard at? They're up on a stand. They're up high. Why are they up there? Do you realize that you could have somebody that would drown in a pool just three or four feet away from you and never know it? That's because you're right in the middle of the same things that they're in, and you can't see what's actually going on. So what they do is they put a lifeguard stand that's up top so they can have a different perspective, and they can see things that are going on. So I want us to be able to have that and to see, um, see what we're doing and see the different perspective of what's happening. Um, so parenting, like I said, parenting can be hard and we may want to quit. But if you see what God sees, your problems is not, not as big as they seem when they're right in front of you. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about 
which is my main focus here. And this is something the Lord spoke to me uh, when we had Layla and I was praying and fervently and Lord, okay, now I'm a new parent. What do I do? How does this work? And the Lord spoke to me and says, Bobby, you're not raising a child. You're raising a generation of people. And in Psalm 78, verses 3 and 4, it says, These things we have heard and known that our Father has told us we will not hide from our children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and his wonders and all that he has done. So we're not just raising our children. It's bigger than raising our children. We're raising a generation. I'm thinking back to my parents, the things that my parents poured into me and the things that I got from them. I then turned around and poured in to uh, my children. And then now hearing Layla and having children, they're taking the things that I poured into them. Now they're pouring into their children, okay? So we're not just raising our children. We're raising a generation of children. To give you a little bit of perspective on that, we have about 200 families or so that attend uh, chapel here. On an average, families have about 2.5 kids. I don't know who that 0.5 kid is, but on an average, <clears throat> we have about 2.5 kids. And in, that, in the kid's lifetime, if they just affect 10 people, in their life. If your children, out of their whole lifetime, can actually affect 10 people, that will actually be 5,000 people that would be affected by you just pouring into your child. Then we turn around and take that one more step. Let's just take it one more generation, which is what I'm being able to begin seeing now. And on a second generation of those 5,000, that had 2.5 children, affected 10 people. On your second generation, just out of the 200 families that are in Christ's chapel, we can affect 125,000 people just out of the people here at Christ's chapel. Okay? So I want us to see a bigger picture of what we're doing. Just to give you an idea of that, I looked up Lauderdale and Colbert County, the Tri-Cities areas, has about 200,000 people in it. By just out of our Christ Chapel families and the second generation, we can touch over half of the Tri-Cities area by out of what we parent and what we do. Okay? So I just want to give us a little bit perspective of what we're doing and how it has a bigger impact than just raising your child, okay? It's bigger than that. But I want to speak, I got a couple of points here, so at least, Pastor Bobby said, I at least need to have one. Uh, so I've got a couple of points here I want to make when we get through, but I want to start with us as parents, okay? This is something that we've uh, did, uh, me and Amy and the Lord just really dug in here, and uh, this is something that... Um, not only changes us as parents, but changes uh, you as an individual because it starts with you, okay? You can affect lives by just the way you live your life, 
okay? So it's not all the points that I'm gonna be saying, it's not all the things, the ideas that I've got. It's by example, it's how you live your life. Even if you aren't a parent, there's always somebody watching your life, okay? Uh, I remember uh, way back, me and Amy were having some troubles and we were like, okay, how are we gonna do this? You, You just want to quit sometimes. But the Lord spoke to us and says, you can't quit. People are watching, okay? So I want you to know, number one, if you gotta have children or don't have children, it's how you live your life that makes the difference. One of our sayings that we have in our home is love always gives a choice. And, um, you know, in, in just life in general, I've heard the question of, how can a loving God send somebody to hell? How can a loving God do that? And he doesn't. He gives us a choice. He says he puts before us life and death. And then he tells us which one to choose, right? He says choose life. Okay? So love always gives a choice. So I want to speak to you um, just parents as parents, not necessarily, or you as an individual, not just parents. Because your children are going to watch your life more than what you say to them. They're going to watch you. And there are some things the Lord spoke to me when we uh, first had Layla and became parents. You know, you've heard this story of the elephant that's been tied to a stake. I don't know if you've ever heard this story or not. But what happened was they walked up to this circus, um, and a guy was out there with the, he was the elephant trainer. And he had this huge elephant, and he had him tied to a small stake in the ground. I mean, this elephant, if he wanted to, if he fell over, it would have pulled the stake out, okay? And he asked him, how, how can you keep this elephant tied to this stake and not move? He said, because when he was little, I nailed him to this stake, and he pulled, and he pulled, and he pulled, and he couldn't get this stake out. So now he believes, even though he's an adult, he believes he can't get free. I mean, the potential in that elephant, they could push over trees, they can grab a car and flip it through the air, but he's tied to this stake because from when he was a child, he tried to get free and he couldn't get free. So now he believes he can't get free. So the Lord gave me this example on parenting because your children are going to watch your life. And if there are things in your life that are keeping you bound, if there's fear in your life that keeps you from moving forward, if there's whatever it is, if it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is in your life that's holding you down, your children are watching you nailed to this stake And if you can't get free from this, they're going to believe they can't get free. Okay? So I want you, even though I've got some more points I want to make, but the points doesn't matter if you're not free. So I want to encourage you to be free. But I also want to turn this on its head. I want our children to watch us nail to the stake of truth. I want us our children to watch us lay hands on the sick and they recover. I want us, our children to watch us speak to the dead man and he rise because they're going to believe what they see. 
So when you get free, they believe they can be free. When you start moving and doing things that God's called you to do, not only do you need to be free, you do. You need to be moving in what God's called you to do. But more than that, you've got a generation coming behind you that needs to be free. Okay? So I want you to just turn that thing on its head. Show the, show the children. What, let them watch you pray. Let them watch you when somebody cuts you off in the street, how you react. Let them see that you are tied to truth. Because it is bigger than just us, okay? So if we don't take care of those things, if we don't conquer those things, and it's hard. Uh, we've had to do it. Me and my wife have had to do it. We've sat in counseling chairs. Uh, we've spent many of times being free because I knew that if I could be free, then my children will not have to deal with this. I don't want to pass anything down to my children that they would have to. Somebody has got to break the cycle. And I want to be the one to break it because I don't want them to have to be the one to break it. I want to be that person so that now they don't even have to deal with that anymore. Now they can look onto something else, okay? So I want to encourage you, look at your own life. What is it that you're going to pass down to your children, good and bad? What is it? What do I have to do? What do I need to do to break through so that they don't have to deal with any of this? So, like I said, this is, this is bigger than just us, okay? So I want you to be able to see that. So our, my first point here is this is something that uh, the Lord spoke to Amy, and I like to, to tell everybody here that most of these things I'm going to be going through, a lot of these came from Amy. The Lord seems to speak to her. He's always said, heard that uh, your wife seems to be sound a whole lot like the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so uh, a lot of these things, there's, parenting takes two. Uh, so I just want to give honor where honor is due. And that a lot of these things, um, these points and the things that the Lord gave us, uh, most of them came through Amy. Because um, Amy didn't have a model mom to look after. And a lot of you may not. But she leaned 100% on the Lord and the Holy Spirit and said, I've got to have you to be able to teach me how to be a mother. So she did. And uh, a lot of these things here I want to talk about. Uh, the first point I want to talk about is you need to decide, do you want good kids or do you want righteous kids? And there's a difference. Um, how, what are you comparing your children to. You can raise good kids. A lot of people have good kids. But do you have righteous kids? Do you have kids that look like Jesus, act like Jesus? So you've got to decide what do you want to have? What kind of children do you want the world to see? And how are you measuring that? So how do you know whether your child is righteous? What are you measuring it against? I've actually got on, uh, on my wrist here an old-timey watch. It's just, you know, I don't have an Apple watch. I actually got one that you actually have to put a battery in and wind. Who else here has a watch like mine that you just, that's not an Apple watch? A few of you do. Uh, some of you shout out to me what time your watch says. Does somebody tell me? 10, 12? 
What else is somebody else's? Huh? 1013. Somebody else. 1014. Okay, which one's true? Which one's right? How do you know which clock is right? We live in an area that has a time zone, and it's called what? Central what? Standard time. If we all, everybody that shouted out a time frame, and we had to meet somewhere and get there at the exact time, the perfect time, how would we do that? We all have to set our clocks and set our times to the central standard time. There is an organization who does nothing but set the standard of what time should be. So it's especially uh, in today's time, there, our standards are being removed. You know, we were built on the word of God, which was our standard. But now people are like wristwatches. I think it's I think it's 15 after. I think it's 13 after. I think mine says 10 after. Everybody's got a different standard, right? So what standard are you measuring your children up to? Uh, when I first got got married and we were in counseling, uh, a lot of you may remember Pastor Yule gave me some really, really good advice. Okay, he said, if your wife walks up to you in this beautiful dress and says, hey, hon, do I look fat in this? Well, I usually call those as shotgun questions. You're like, Ch-ch-ch. do I look fat in this? Okay. <clears throat> but he always told me, he says, never say compared to what? Okay, that's one you can write down. So you don't say, well, baby, to a Buick, you're looking really good. Okay. So compared to what? So when we are raising our children, what are we comparing our children to. So many times we'll compare our children to the other kids in their class and say, Ooh, my kids are great. They don't cuss. They, have, they only cheat every now and then. They're good kids, right? So what are you comparing your children to? Are you comparing them to the world? Are you comparing them to their peers that are around you? Are you comparing them to the word of God and the standard that the Lord has set? So I want us to make a decision. Do you want good kids or do you want righteous kids? Romans, um, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23, 24, it says, a father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. And in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. Measure your children up to the word of God, okay? Let's fight to be righteous children, not just good children, okay? The next thing I wanted to talk to uh, you about is something that the Lord spoke to me and Amy, while we were, had Layla in her little crib, and uh, I walked up, laid her down in her bed for the very first time, and I began to pray over her. And the Lord told me very clearly, as you know, almost as audible as I could hear, the Lord says, never miss a night 
to pray over your children. He said, pray over them. Teach them to pray by praying. That's what the Lord did. That's how he was teaching his disciples. They said, how do we pray like you do? He says, like this, and he prayed. Okay? So I want you to do, even from the beginning, even when they're infants, even when they're in the womb, begin praying over them. I set, uh, I set a standard that I would not miss a night. Now, did I miss one? Yes. You know, I'm sure I've missed a few. But I set a goal to never lay my children down without praying over them every single night. And uh, you can ask, ask the, the girls that I did. We, we went in every night when we laid them down. Even when a ball game was on and they were on, I said, no, I'm going to go and pray over my children every night because they need to hear their father praying over them, blessing them. It gives them that peace that allows them to sleep in peace, knowing whatever happened in the day, no matter how hard that day was, mom and dad is going to pray over them and have new grace and new mercy every morning. How many times have we prayed that with our kids? So we've got new grace. We had, may have had a bad day, but tomorrow we've got new grace and new mercy, and we laid them down every night with prayer. And I want you to be able to teach them by praying, by praying, teach them how to pray by praying. How you do that, number one, is let them see you pray. Okay, uh, we uh, actually uh, brought the family over a couple of weeks ago at our house and just had them around the table. And I just wanted to hear, I knew I was going to be speaking on this, and I wanted to hear from them. What made the difference? You know, why did you not rebel when there was time to rebel? Every one of them, like I said, love gives a choice. There's always going to be a choice. What was the difference? And they said, even when I would tell them to do something that they didn't agree with, or something that they didn't like. They knew that mom and dad prayed together every morning. They saw us pray. We, they saw us lead. And they wanted, they knew, even though they didn't agree with it, that we had their best interest in mind. And that wasn't out of because I could explain exactly why I was doing this and convincing them. They didn't like it. They may not have understood it. But they knew and they saw mom and dad pray. So they knew we were seeking the wisdom of the Lord for them. So pray over them, watch over them, and pray every, every night. Just speak over them. This is something else the Lord put in my heart as I was praying, is to pray the scriptures. Pray God's word over them. We actually got into a routine that we would start praying scriptures and the Lord put on my heart says, I want you to make sure they know and understand scriptures that they're going to have to fight with. Because we teach them that the, the word of God is a sword. Okay, So we would teach them the scriptures and there would be scriptures that they would need to use to fight because they are in the battle. I know they're in a battle. So I would always, if the, the boys were setting up here, I would say, the weapons of their warfare are, and they'd finish, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. I'd say, greater is he who's in me, and they will finish than he that's in the world. So I would speak over them every night. Every night they hear these scriptures. And it wasn't a school setting. 
Okay, it wasn't, okay, everybody sit down, repeat after me, the weapons of our warfare, the weapons of our war. Okay, they don't, they don't want school again, okay? I would just pray the scriptures over them every night. I would pray the same scriptures over them every night. And then as I begin to pray over them and pray the scriptures over them, they would begin to learn the scriptures because it was something that was repetitive over them. And I don't know how many scriptures we've never actually sat down and looked it up but we would just pray over them and they would learn. Even our boys now know the scriptures. They know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They know that no weapon formed against them will prosper. They know, and we had to teach this one to a couple of them. I would add scriptures in the things that I knew they would need. Uh, one of them is I found a proverb that said, um, be careful, keep my lips from evil, and my, uh, my tongue from evil and my lips from speaking lies. And I just began praying that over them. It's a, it's a proverb, and they are learning these things. So every night, sitting down and praying over them and praying the scriptures over them, you're just putting God's word in their hearts so that when that stake is driven, they will not be able to pull away from it because you have planted God's word and prayer in them from the very beginning all the way up until they leave. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. So pray over your children. Let them see you pray. Let them see mom and dad pray. The boys know that in the mornings when they wake up, they've got to get their bed made. They uh, get out their devotional and our number one rule, which is very hard, peace and quiet. And that's, that's a fun one. That's a hard one. <clears throat> but they know the reason they're doing that is that mom and dad are downstairs praying. So the boys will, sometimes I'll ask, have y'all prayed yet? Because they know they can come downstairs. <laughs> okay? So I'll let them see you pray. Let them watch you pray. Let them know mom and dad is down there praying. Let them hear you pray. I don't whisper when I'm praying with my wife every morning. They hear me praying over them and their day every single morning, okay? So pour into your uh, children with prayer and the word. Um, the third thing I want to talk about is talk to your children and let your word be true. What you say and how you say it, let it be true. I always thought it was funny uh, and I understand this, and this is, this is not a problem, uh, with, especially with little kids. But you would always give them to the count of three, right? Put this down right now. One, two. What would they do on three? They would mind, right? They put it down on three. You know why they would mind on three? Because your word was true on three. On one and two, your word wasn't true. They knew they had, well, uh, they said one, so that's, I don't have to mind yet. They said two, well, I might get close to minding. Three, oh, they mean what they say now. There's a story that just broke my heart and just, you know, it's one of those proud papa mama moments. Natalie was in Peru. Um, how old was she? Seven years old. Is dancing in Peru. Uh, on a mission trip 
and she was supposed to be dancing to this particular song and she came to Amy later, woke her up from a nap and said, I'm not supposed to do this song, I'm supposed to do this one. And Amy, of course, said, well, darling, you know, well, we've already got it planned. This is what you're supposed to do. You know, this song, don't you need to pray about it? Let's talk to, talk to the leader. And, let's, and Natalie looked at Amy and said, did you not teach me to mind the first time? Okay, Mary's like, yes, ma'am. We're changing songs. <laughs> but we want it to be, our word needs to be true. If our word is true, when God speaks to them, they know his word is true. They're going to mind the first time from the Lord because they learned to mind the first time from us. Okay? So let your word be truthful. Be careful what you say. A lot of times, and, and man, I'm, I'm right there with everybody on this. A lot of times the things you say, you just say out of anger or you just respond. Uh, I'll never forget one time we were, uh, the girls were not cleaning up or something. And Amy said, if you don't clean up, we're canceling our vacation. I was thinking, what if they don't clean up? <laughs> Did we just lose our vacation? <clears throat> so uh, I want us to be people of our word. Be a man of our word. Be careful with the things you say. Because a lot of times you can say things and they're going to go, yeah, right. You know, if I, don't put, if I don't eat my peas, are we really canceling Christmas? Uh, so be careful with the things you say, but also be a man of your word. When you say, I'm going to do something, do it. If you tell them, if you don't do this, I'm going to do this. If you don't do it, when are they going to believe you? When you tell them, don't go to this person's house. I feel like something is not right there. You've got to be a man of your word and be careful what you say. Also, just talk to your kids as they get older. A lot of times, you know, you ask them to do something and you hear this saying all the time, do it because I'm told you to. Okay? There are some times, and believe me, I've said this, but I've had to go back and if you can sit down and talk to your children, explain to them why you're making this decision. It may not have to be right there in that moment, but later sit down with them, talk to them. We were talking to Natalie. Natalie said that was one of the things in her life that made such a difference, that we didn't just tell her to do it just because we're the parent and she's the child, but we would sit down and explain to her, this is why. This is why we, we want you to do this. And for her, that was a uh, comfort to her heart to hear and to understand we have a reason for what we're doing, okay? So take that time. Um, I found this proverb. I hadn't ever heard this proverb before uh, until I was studying for this. It's Proverbs 25, verse 14. It says, like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. Don't be clouds and rain, I mean clouds and wind without rain. Be a man of your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Because it's not just that situation. I want to go back to our vision, our perspective. It's not just saying, being a man of your word for what you said you were going to do. You are training a generation. You're training them not only to hear your voice, but to hear the Lord's voice as well. 
the next thing I want to talk about is your children spell love, and everybody knows how this goes, T-I-M-E, time, okay? You can, let me see, there's a scripture, let me just go ahead and read this scripture, it's Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Dis- we just, pastor just finished preaching about discipline and how we've got that. We, if you love your children, you discipline them, okay? But there was a time when, uh, I'll never forget, Amy called me one day and she was crying. I know y'all cannot believe she was crying, but Amy cries at macaroni and cheese commercials. <clears throat> but she was, call- she was crying and she was like, what is, what's going on? She said, well, I had to spank, uh, it's probably Natalie. Natalie got a few of those. <clears throat> um, and she was upset because she didn't want to spank her. You know, this, we're going back to the man of her word. She said she would. We didn't want to, but we said we would, so we were going to. And she said, Lord, I don't want to spank my child. Why, how, you know, what's going on? He said, look at your knees. And she looked at her knees, and her knees were red. She had carpet burn on her knees because she was crawling around all day long on the carpet, playing with her. And she earned the right to be able to discipline her child because she just spent two hours, three hours playing with her, letting her know how much she's loved, how much she's appreciated. She had the authority and the right to be able to discipline her because of the time that she had invested if you don't spend time with your children and all you do is discipline, you will breed rebellion into your children. A lot of times I hear this so much, especially sometimes for parents, I mean from fathers. Ah, that's their mama's job to take care of them and comfort them. They bring them to me when they're in trouble and I'll take care of them. If all they see you as a person of discipline, it will breed rebellion in them. And this scripture says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. If you spend time with them, you can discipline them because they know, they know that you love them and you care for them. Okay. Uh, Spending time with them helps you learn their love language and their love language and also helps them understand their giftings. You need to know that every child is not the same. With Layla, I can get on to Layla and say, Layla, pick that up. And she'd start crying. Okay, she'd just burst out into tears and pick it up. Uh, Natalie was a little different, and Nisi was a whole lot different. Okay? Uh, unless I had a spoon in my hand, uh, sometimes Nisi wouldn't mind. There was differences. <laughs> this reminds me of a story. We used a wooden spoon. So, um, anyway, I'll just leave that alone so I won't go there, but... One time, I'll never forget this. This was, I think it was Natalie. She wouldn't go to sleep. She wouldn't be quiet. So I was walking down the hall with this wooden spoon. Okay, from where I was standing, the light from the kitchen was on, shining from behind into her bedroom. And I was holding this spoon. And she got quick like that. And I was like, whoa, this is good. What happened? All she could see was a five-foot shadow of a spoon on the wall from the back I was holding so she thought I was coming in with a seven foot spoon and she's fixing to take care of her 
But anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. Um, but learn their love language and learn their giftings. You can't treat them all the same, okay? You've got to learn your child. Um, this is something that I did, they said, made a big difference. This is just something the Lord put on my heart to do. Every Saturday morning, I would get up and I would take one of my girls to breakfast. It only took two hours. Every Saturday morning, they would rotate out. We would go get a biscuit every single Saturday morning. And I would be able to sit down in front of them, ask them, how are things going? What's happening in school? Um, I'd just be able to spend that one-on-one time with them. And they said uh, that that meant so much to them later on. Just that time of knowing I've got this time with my mom and my dad. And I do it with the boys right now. I still do it right now. I'm doing it all at one time. So I'm taking all four of them at once. Um, mainly to give Amy a little bit of a breather on Saturday mornings. Um, But on Sundays when I play uh, bass, I bring one of my children, one of my boys with me. They need that one-on-one time, and it makes the difference. Uh, Last thing I want to talk about is being real. Your kids, you can't fake your kids out. They know when you are real, okay? You're not fooling them. Something that we've done, and it's hard to do, but we've even pulled our children back in. When me and Amy, believe it or not, we made one mistake last year, I think, or a year before, but I'm just joking. Uh, When we've made a mistake, we pulled our children in and sat down with them and said, you know what? We made a mistake. We were wrong in what we did. And we want you to forgive, ask, uh, ask for forgiveness for the things that we did. Because your children are going to mess up at some point. They need to learn how to ask for forgiveness. They need to learn how to repent. The best way to teach your child how to repent is to repent. We are not perfect. We don't expect to be perfect, okay? So spend that time with them. Be real. You know, you've heard the saying, do as I say, not as I do. That is a lie. That is a lie. Don't let the enemy put that in your mind that you can do one thing and say another and your children don't know that. If you don't want them watching movies that you don't want them to watch too, don't watch them yourself. If you don't want your kids to grow up drinking alcohol, don't drink alcohol. Be real because they are going to watch you more than they listen to you, okay? You're not fooling them. And just to end and wrap this up, As I said in the beginning, love always gives a choice. When they get older, they are still going to be given the option to choose. And they can still choose the wrong thing. If you prayed with them every night, if you spent time with them, if you poured the word of God into them, you did all of this stuff, they still have a choice. And I've got to realize that. I've got to understand that. 
But as a parent, my child is going to have to climb over a lot of prayer. They're going to have to climb over a lot of God's word. They're going to have to climb over a lot of times being real. They're going to have to climb over a lot of times I was faithful to them when I didn't want to be for them to make a wrong decision. They're going to have a lot of stuff to climb over to try to pick the wrong thing. So as my job as a parent, I'm going to pile up as much Jesus as I can that they have to try to climb over to make a wrong decision because I'm going to make it hard for them to choose wrong. They still have a choice, but by a parent, I'm going to make it as hard as it can be to choose the wrong thing. Okay, so just be real. Love your children. Pour your heart into them. Because it is not just your child you're raising. You're raising a generation of children. You're raising, you're touching. Just in our generation at Christ Chapel, we can touch 5,000 people by just reaching 10. Second generation, we can reach 125,000 people just out of Christ Chapel by being real and pouring our love into our children and just listening to the Lord. Guys, it's just being real. It's just being you. Okay? Amen. Thank you.